From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. And welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Sari and this is Mark. Hiya. Tonight we're talking about the movie Other Life, 2017, directed by Ben C. Lucas. And consider this your spoiler warning. Yeah, turn back now if you haven't seen this movie and then you can tune back in after you have. So, sorry, what was your number one takeaway from the movie Other Life? I think the number one takeaway I had was that you don't have to have inception dreams within dreams in order to have an effective uh, dream alternate reality existence. That was quite good. The other thing I I took away is that there's a whole whole other science of neuroprosthesis, which I've looked into now, and it is exciting and further advanced than I thought. Yeah, that whole idea of mixing, you know, in this movie they mix biology with uh, technology. Yeah, some you know, sort of like, nano yeah. robots or something. Yeah. They're doing nano, nanites or something yes. in passing. They don't really go into what no. it is, but no. it's Yeah, and it's, it's done via a little bit of black biological oil or something and yeah. takes you on this experience for a few seconds and yeah. you feel like you're really somewhere, you know. I think it's a great, it's an interesting idea. I mean, that could really uh, take us somewhere in the future, couldn't it, I think? I, and I, I think it's not actually as far-fetched an idea as perhaps it could be. Yeah, definitely. Model might seem. Yeah. I'll talk about that more later. Uh, but down to our three categories. Hope, warning, experiment. Mark, is this... So I, is this? Yeah, so I think um, this one is a warning because I Sorry, suppose... Warning, warning. <laughs> that's right. We need the dialects, don't we, doing that. Yeah, warning because really... In the film, we're playing with our brains and it's portrayed in a very dangerous way, I suppose. So, be you know, the story that her main motivation, of course, is, and we'll get into this with the plot, but is trying to save her brother who's in a coma. And, of course, that doesn't work out. When she realises that, she sort of wants to stop the whole thing, doesn't she? You know, she realises the danger of playing with, with our brains. So, I, yeah, I, to me, it's a warning. Yeah. Warning, I, well, I'm going to disagree with you on this one. Okay. I can see the warning in there, but I think it's uh, hope. Okay. Because of exactly that. She's, she's reaching into someone's brain uh, and giving them choices. Her brother chose to move on. Mm-hmm. And most inter- interestingly enough, she was then able to make that choice to move on too because yeah. she was stuck on a repeating loop uh, of of trying to save her brother for however long, a couple of years or something. Yeah. Uh, so I I think there's there's hope there that this this te- this sort of technology will give us more choices rather than taking them away from us. Which yeah. Is okay. Nice. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. A bit of a disagreement there on that. Um, so what have you been up to yourself, sorry, as uh, the great writer? Now that you're out there on Amazon with your yeah, Amazon. Your this novel? this is my exit plan. <laughs> 
currently that's... available on Amazon and yeah, Kindle right. Unlimited. Yes. So uh, digital at the moment? Is it in paper, print? You know, uh, I it's... saw online you were talking a bit about that. Yeah, yeah. Amazon doesn't deliver print books to Australia okay. through the Australian Amazon thing. So if you're an author and you try to publish a print book through Amazon and you're in Australia, you can't get author copies, you can't get proof copies. Oh, You've got to buy it retail through the American shop, yeah, right. which costs about means that my book was costing about 30 bucks for me to get a, a sample. A print copy. To, to, to check to see if it looks okay. <laughs> uh, although I also then couldn't get cheap copies for myself to hand yeah. out for review or yep. whatever. Yep. Uh, but otherwise, no, that's now with Ingram Spark. Okay. So they're also probably number two in the publishing world. Mm-hmm. They do all much of the wholesaling and sourcing of books for all your large book chains. Okay. So Dimux, do they still exist? I'm not too sure if they do. They used, <laughs> if they do still <laughs> exist, still exist? I, th- I think they, I think they got like bought and then shuffled around and things that exist in one form or another. Yeah. Barnes and Noble yeah. and so on. Uh, so I'm in review with them at the moment. Um, that took a lot longer to get through. So that's a bit of a less, lesson learnt. Up to chapter two of book two. Okay. Now, Excellent. And, Taking what I've learned from my self-publishing experience of book one, yeah. uh, the, I've set up my document format to be ready to go straight as right, soon as I finish. Yeah, yeah, so you're not dealing with that later. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> otherwise I've been I've been reading about the black hole photograph, mm, which yeah. the most exciting thing about that is it it's proof that there are black holes. Yeah, because previously we had very good reason to believe there were. All the mathematics says there were, yeah. but we didn't have uh, any sort of real telemetry or input from it. And this was five petabytes or, I don't know, maybe that's a small, too small, and maybe it's 500 petabytes. Some huge, it was so much data that rather than sending it over the internet, they literally packed it into a truck and shipped it around, <laughs> dropping off hard drives because it was quicker mm. than trying to send it any other way. Yeah, right. And there was, um, embarrassed to say, I can't remember the woman's name, who came up with the underlying algorithm to stitch together a lot of the data without which we would not have this photograph. Mm. So good on her. Uh, She knows who she is. (laughs) I did read, and you might have read more than me about it, but that basically then that photograph is like 60 million years old. So sort of people have said (laughs) it's... If the dinosaurs were, when the dinosaurs were on Earth, they looked up in the sky, they might have seen this thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, that's, that's how much time has changed in space. You that's know. a problem with looking out into space. These pictures we have of galaxies are They're from, old. <laughs> you know, from before we were ever around. Yeah, I know. It's bizarre, isn't it, to get your head around sometimes, I reckon that. Oh, the, the other thing, of course, is space is expanding 9% faster than uh, our previous models have said wow, and they believe okay. that the chance of that being an error has gone from about a one in a hundred to a one in a hundred thousand okay so they've increased by several orders of magnitude yep. the exact the accuracy of this measurement mm. uh, and so they're saying well we don't entirely know why the universe is expanding faster than what our measurements of and this this comes back to this distance. So they're measuring they're measuring movements of 
stars in um, the Pleiades uh, nebula galaxy. Uh, so there's a nebula and a galaxy involved. Anyway, they're measuring this um, this movement between these stars and galaxies and nebula and extrapolating from that and inserting, of course, gravitational constants and speed of light and so forth, and they come up with rate of expansion, how fast everything's moving away yeah, from right. each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, when they work it out on a bit of paper, you know, as, as I, I've done many times, they, they come up with one number, but when they measure it using the Hubble te- telescope, they've come up with a bigger number. Yeah, right. And that means that some constant or number or variable in their equation is wrong. And mm. that's really interesting because obviously all of these astrophysicists and astronomers are looking at their numbers and going, well, that one we believe is totally right. That one we believe is totally right. All of these numbers and constants we believe to be totally right. So we've got 9% error, which means there's some factor in uh, you know, space-time which we haven't accounted for or that we have not gotten. So that's very exciting. It, yeah, means, yeah. it means we don't know everything. No, no, there's more of the unknown. Good for us science fiction writers to develop mm. and think that, well, yeah, science can always be experimented or changed up, can't it? Oh, yeah, there's, there's a lot to go, yeah. Like what we're talking with alien, just being an actual alien, very different. <laughs> and yourself, what have you been up to? It's been two um, weeks now. Yeah, yeah, Four no, I've gotten my feature scripts actually got into what I would call like a second draft, so it's quite quite nice and tight. Um, it's coming in at 93 pages, which is really nice. Uh, it still needs a solid run-through they, again. They say one minute per page, roughly. Yeah, speaking. yeah, and the what I've read out of Final Draft's advice at the moment in from Hollywood's point of view is they're looking at, they've decreased it actually, so they want it, they, the, the trend now, if I can talk properly, the trend now is about 90 to 100, uh, 100 pages. Um, so they've, they've uh, whereas 10 years ago, about, they were pushing them up to 110 pages. Obviously very different for things like The Avengers. You know, those things are like 300 a, pages long. It was a three-hour movie. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. Man. Tell me about it. I don't think I can sit through that. No, and it, to be honest, that puts me off going to even see it, you know, because it just feels like it's too long, you know. I don't, I don't know if I have that attention span, yeah, Well, you, you need know? a bit of a break there somewhere. Mm, I've, I've been yeah. to three-hour movies before. Yeah. Some of the, the one of Lord of the Rings and... Uh, yeah, and Avatar was very long. Um, I know I... Mm. I think I went for a toilet break during Avatar, you know, which is very unusual for me, but it's just sort of the way it goes now. They're so long that you're kind of thinking, oh, I should, that's the midpoint. I'm going to the toilet. <laughs> I'll be back. So, uh, yeah, but, but for myself, like, it's a nice tight script and I'm pretty happy with it, actually. So now now I want to go through and just make sure some of those formatting things, like when you do things like flashbacks and stuff, that I'm just doing them to the standard. So now, um, So that to me is really great. It's like at a real... It's just that technical proof now. Yeah. Um, and I've also seeped out a couple of competitions to enter it in later in the year. So I'm going to head for that and then also sort of send it off to a couple of people um, overseas. So just sort of see where that goes. Uh, and I've also been asked to shoot a little micro doco, actually, so nice. uh, which is not science fiction at all. So, um, But, yeah, I'm excited about planning that, meeting the people on Monday, and we'll kind of go go from there. So... Yeah, just getting those creative juices going behind That'd the camera. Be great. You should, yeah. you should send your... You should start talking to Screen West and Lottery West. Yes, yeah, they definitely. They funded very heavily this movie, Other Life. Yes, they did. They and did. it's all shot here in WA. Yeah, which is just, exciting. I'll, I'll, I'd love to 
go into that more in a little bit. Yep, and we will. The brief overview of Other, uh, Other Life uh, is basically, it's a very loose plot on the novel um, Other uh, Solitaire. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I... I... Um, so I wrote this down, and I'm just trying to look at my notes again now, um, which is a book by Kelly Eskridge. Um, she's a, a science fiction novelist, short story writer. She's been around for quite a while writing stories, and they picked up, obviously, the options for this. This film takes on the, the, the book, is more about the virtual reality prison. That's the main character is kind of in the prison. So the filmmaker and the Ben and the other writer, scriptwriter, Gregory Whidden, took on that sort of idea and expanded it. Um, so the idea in this story was, of course, we have the female protagonist, Ren Amari. She's a high-tech researcher who develops a form of biological virtual reality, and she's de- deliberately developing it to try to help her brother come out of the coma that we find a bit out in the early in the stages of the film. Uh, and then her business partner insists that they kind of use that virtual reality to, uh, for prison system, which is ironically kind of the opposite of what she's trying to do for her brother is trying to get him out of yeah. prison or of the coma. So she's really against it. And then when her boyfriend tries the stuff and, and dies in front of her, they give her that option of, well, you could trial the virtual reality prison system or go to jail for murder. And so she does, and she goes into the, the prison. So, yeah, it's a really interesting idea, this this idea of virtual reality, but just with the mind, using some sort of biological nanobot technology that's been developed previously, and these people uh, having experiences, you know, mm. and through the company of other other life. Although I, I looked at that scene where she goes into the prison and it's solitary confinement, mm. which for more than a, a few days actually starts to really mess with people. Definitely, definitely. So putting people someone in solitary for a year, mm, that seemed a little bit rough. Yeah, I, I kind of thought, geez, it's a, it's a... At first when they said the prison system, I thought, oh, this is genius. You know, can you imagine politicians saying, we don't have to have prisons anymore? You know, we're just going to implant them with this. Only use a few seconds of their life, and yet they could be locked away for years. And you, and then they're, they're they're coming out like they've lived years in a prison in in isolation. And we don't have to build prisons anymore. You know, they could just be done in a like a hospital scenario or setting, very cheaply for the public. You don't have to have these physical prisons anymore. Yet and they'd be back they, out receding. Yeah. You know, they would be returning to their life of crime that much faster. Would be <laughs> yeah, that that's the question. But you sort of think, well, hang well, on, they're out. But then I, I was thinking though, you could rather because you know, the idea of prison. Uh, I suppose there's, there's two ideas. One is for dangerous people is to take them out so they're take them out, dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. But then for the large portion is actually supposed to be some sort of reform process. Yeah, rehab, isn't it? Yeah. So could you imagine you put them into a, a, some sort of a virtual scenario where they are able to reflect on what has gone past and how mm. life works and you could do education programs That's so they right. can actually gain some skills. Yeah. And come to learn, you know, to use a, a cliche term, the error of their ways. Yeah. Uh, which I think would rather be better to learn a better way of doing yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And What's... dealing with emotion and, but... and their impulses. Yeah, yeah. So, but... that, yeah, a few minutes, uh, they, they, they get sentenced. A few minutes in, 
and then they're out and they, it's like they've spent a year at a Buddhist monastery contemplating the Zen of their life. But then I want to commit crime to go do that, sorry, because that sounds pretty good. <laughs> well, that's where we come in, which is going, well, okay, let's preempt that. Have it at school, you can sign up yeah. for self-improvement where you are given, like you don't have to spend four years, five years at university yeah, doing a philosophy just, course. Mm. You can spend a couple of minutes walking around Plato's garden, you know, yeah. discussing and learning about... Um, Maybe we would eliminate crime completely if you could just plug into something and, you know, because if, if you're... If you're at school, so school-aged children, they're not enjoying something, they could plug in for a few seconds and get some sort of amazing experience. They could get personalised learning. Yeah, learning. Because, yeah, 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 as we know, different people learn differently. Some yep. people learn. Oh, yeah. I was very lucky that I learned very well from reading. Yep. Which uh, which really worked very well because a lot of my teachers would just sort of put up notes on the board and I'd just copy yeah. it. Uh, fortunately, that sinks in very well into my mm-hmm. head, um, whereas I know a lot of other people have to have... Uh, uh, a physical experience yep. with the learning, yep. and and some people, it's they they get exposure, 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 ding, light yeah. turns on, a couple of years down the track. Yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah, it'd be, it'd be great for that. It's it's full of all sorts of promise. Yeah, definitely. Um, so this film is not really set anywhere particularly like mm. it's not said where it is but we recognized the city yeah they didn't they didn't say where it was but no. you could tell it was australia yeah it is australian and everyone in it's australian yes cars are driving on the left hand side of the road yep yeah and i mean it's a recognized city for us because it's our hometown it's our hometown Perth. and uh, as a result i've got a few disorienting moments here because the outside of her um studio where the their company was doing their stuff they often they shot there. There's a dumpster and there's that mural on the wall. You just sit to see a couple of funny skinny little yeah, legs yeah. and that body. That's Wolf Lane, and mm-hmm. that's just behind my uh, office building. Yeah, I, I looked down in my window and looked there, and I've been inside. That's actually a pub that they're yeah. standing in front of. Right, the Wolf Lane Bar, which I went to for a Christmas party. Yep. So I've I found it quite funny. They're standing there, and then they 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 go around through the there's a roller door there, yep. and that was going down into her lab. But then. Uh, she was driving, and then her apartment, I can see her apartment building from my place as well. Yeah. Because I recognised the reverse angle of vision she had. Because <laughs> you know, I'm looking at this apartment block over near the Crown yep. Casino in that direction. You can see if you were sitting in that apartment building looking back at me, yep. you would have, like it's that got the balconies. Yeah. I can see the balcony yeah. she had in the glass. And yep. I thought, that's, that's her apartment over there. Yeah, yeah. And she went to drive to work. Through the Graham Farmer Tunnel, heading east. Yep. But she works down here in the centre of the city, which is west. Which you wouldn't take the Graham Farmer anyway. You would, you would just come down yep. the, the terrace or something. Hmm. That's kind of confusing. That. But they're not logically. No. It's the magic of in movie. The, in the movie, it works perfectly. It <laughs> yeah. looks brilliant. Cause... There's a there's a film a couple of years ago, These Final Hours, which is a um, it's like an Armageddon film. It's so coming to the world, and it's Australian, and it's shot in Perth yeah. again. And uh, in that, they, he is very similar. He drives around Perth, and he's actually naming where he's going, so it's set in Perth. And, um, but 
there's places that you see he drives down the street and he's saying he's in that suburb and I'm like, well, that's, I know that place. That's yeah, not that's... in that suburb. That's in another. And then he goes up into the hills and he's saying it's like Coburn. You're like, well, the hills, the Coburn's not in the hills. And, and it's just, you see, and he also, he goes, drives through like things like the tunnel and the city or whatever. And it's like, well, that's not the way, as you're just saying, yeah. to that direction. But no one knows that on the outside. But the tunnel the looks great. Yeah, it does. It, that's it, the thing. It makes it look like a, you know, a futuristic thing because it's, yeah. it's literally a tunnel that just sort of disappears underneath a uh, suburb. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I've, I've yeah. gone running over top of that tunnel yeah, yeah. and I've gone running through the tunnel. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, there's there's a, a park mm. and a McDonald's yeah, on top yeah. of that tunnel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the office building that I worked in many years ago was just next to it. And so it's a, it's a great shot. Yeah. And uh, I think. And they flip it as well as the car comes by. They actually flip the shot. And I thought, I was like, oh, that's, an, that's interesting, you know? So she. It's, it's disorientating as well. Yeah, so it makes it look even a bit more bizarre. And yeah, it so is something we can talk about a bit later with the technicalities, but coming from Perth, they make Perth look very futuristic. Oh, it, looks, know, it looks fashionable. Yeah. And, it looks um, large. Um, the nighttime skyline yeah. shots of all the lights yeah. and everything. It, it looks quite technological. That's right. And yeah. It, it metropolitan. Looks, it's not supposed to be, I don't think, this film far in the future but it just gave it that feel that oh this is a bit of a clean futuristic city yeah. busy city and stuff like that and even I, even I when mean, they shot Perth is quite a clean yeah, that's busy right. city <laughs> so it fits it fits um and even they there's a tiny little few seconds on the train and of course they chose it coming over oh, the narrows yeah i, you know, I recognize it from mandra no, from the mandra line you know and, and but it was just a nice little shot because the city's blurred in the background you know yeah. so you're just seeing big buildings behind her you know um, and then obviously, she, and she also walked over the narrows suddenly, you know, when she was escaping and there's a billboard that doesn't exist, you know, and they've plonked that yeah, on there, you know? It, yeah. Um, but again, it's quite, you know, it's only a couple of seconds shot and you can see the city's blurry and there's a billboard and she's, she's there, again, out of context of where she came from because she came from the bush, you know? <laughs> and so, you, you feel but, a bit famous yourself knowing, knowing those places. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, and, uh, so and I was I was camping down there at Albany in Denmark on Easter. Yep. So I came back and I watched it, and she and her brother at the start are swimming in Albany. Yeah, right. And that metal walkway that projects out over—that's like a little tourist thing. Yeah, yeah. We were going to go on, but yep. it was kind of later in the afternoon. I wondered. Time, I knew so. it was down south somewhere. Yeah. It just had that feel to it, but I didn't know where. So it's but good. I, that, I know, there you so, go. You've spotted it. Because when we're there, we're going to a couple of these lookouts. If you haven't been to Albany or Denmark, and I don't imagine you know, in the world population not many people have, no. but it is very spectacular. Yeah. Like the ocean, whereas the rest of Western Australia is really old, so it's quite weathered and it's very flat. You go down there to uh, Albany and there's this big bay opening and the ocean comes in and it's not just, it's real wild open yeah. ocean. Yeah. Suddenly it's in these bays with these huge granite cliffs yeah. and it's just it's really dramatic it is and, and i'm not surprised that they've they filmed down there because when i was looking down there I, and one of the one of the outlooks on the left hand side you see this great big sweeping bay where all the surfers mm. are in there it's a yeah. bit protected and then on the right hand side it was so windy i was leaning into the wind it was holding me up yeah <laughs> and the waves were these monstrous things crashing over worn granite Outcrops, yeah, those and it was just amazing, aren't they? It, it was stunning to watch. Yeah. it was just absolutely just uh, breathtaking. Yeah, well, I mean, the what the next thing after there is Antarctica. So you're talking a big yeah. ocean. It's the same Augusta, which is not far away. You know, you go to that southern southwest tip of 
Australia and it's where the two oceans hit. Mm. And you kind of think, oh, two oceans. I mean, humans are the ones that say there's two oceans there. But you look out on that point and it is brutal. Like the ocean is brutal out there. You can just see it. You feel it. It's The wind is something, as you say, will like knock you over and all that. So, Mm. yeah, beautiful part of the world. And, yeah, these places that you choose to shoot for a film like this uh, really tell a lot, I think, and, and really demonstrate a lot. So we probably should run through a bit about the plot. Um, a couple of the main characters, we have Ren Amari, played by Jessica DeGaulle. I believe that's how you say it. Her boyfriend, Danny, played by Thomas Cockrell. Um, and we also have the famous TJ Power, playing her partner. Yeah, who's who's kind of the bad guy, um, playing the character of Sam. So all Australian actors, Jessica is um, in... A very big American TV show Arrow. at the moment. Arrow, yeah. So that's been broadcast all over the place in the States. So she's done quite well. Um, and actually, I don't have his name, but the father as well, you know, famous role, the lawyer from the castle. <laughs> I, I don't know his name off the top of my head, but he's been a lot in Aussie TV. So solid cast, um, solid Australian actors. And I thought as for acting, they all stood up. They all played their roles really well. And who was that other guy? Uh, the other partner, the coder. Yeah, well, yeah. I didn't. I didn't get his name. Actually, he was really good, though. He was really good. Um, yeah, because he kind of was her friend, and then a bit of a bad guy, and then he kind of came back around again at the friend as a friend mode, didn't he? Yeah. I don't know his name. We should have looked his name up, actually. So, might might come to that in a moment. So, we do start as you say. We're down south, beautiful beach. Ren and her brother are diving, swimming with wetsuits. Um, and then we realise that uh, something goes wrong with her brother. She's trying to do CPR. But in fact, then she wakes up and it's a memory. It's a virtual memory. And it's like she's been taking drugs, isn't it? You know, she's got all the empty little, canisters little in front of her. And she's yeah. got the, the black draining out of her yeah, eye. Yeah, so, so the impression is, oh, she's addicted to something. We find out that then she's a coder who's got this product where, um, you know, for the company Other Life where it's, Coding and biology, which can... The idea is to create memories. Um, her brother is in a coma. We, she visits him and she tests a, a bit on him, but it doesn't do anything to him. And uh, she's trying to sort of bring him back. We get that impression. Her business partner, Sam, is trying to sell the idea. So we have a scene where he's trying to pitch the idea to so-called investors. And there's a couple that he seems to be connected to. And then Ren confronts him over that and it's the prison system. She thinks that's unethical and they shouldn't do it. Um, we again kind of get to a scene, she's testing the products and we see the product in action, which is a skiing scene. So it's yeah, like yeah. she goes under, it's only a few seconds and she has this wild time down a mountain, looks fabulous. Um, and the whole idea is they're clocking hours to make sure the code works and everything. But in fact, even though she has this great moment, she reawakens again on the slopes and she's she's stuck there it kind of glitches and we have a great moment she's saying to herself it's only code it's only code as the whole thing collapses on to her she awakens so she kind of brings herself out the uh, matrix neo yeah sort of that idea awakening discovers Um, yeah it becomes aware of yeah becomes aware and we say matrix there is some connections to the matrix Mm. in this movie even that idea that you were saying before like going under and learning a skill well in the matrix you want to learn kung fu yeah Yeah, hell yeah (laughs) you know you plug in and you can learn things in seconds so there is a connection there but it's pretty much just that i think um her boyfriend She's not, she's not happy with the business model and the business coming along and uh, she meets up with her boyfriend. 
you can tell as a relationship they're not they have really bad sex basically and obviously they're not really on the same page and she gets him to try it and uh he does the skiing and experience and he loves it like it's Mm. better than the sex he has a little orgasm over it i thought and um so then she so they're happy in that moment and he's like well I'll, i'll try another product and he tries the one she's been working on for the brother and he he basically dies in front of her in her bedroom she's arrested and she's offered a deal the deal is she could be a bit of a guinea pig for the prison system or she can be trialed for murder yeah so it's a good it's a good uh taking us into the mm. um second beat of the film isn't it and i, th- I think she realizes that if she's done for murder and, and put away then she can't keep working on the a cure for her brother, yeah. to wake her brother out of this coma. Because the whole thing is, even though she's going to be put away for, I think the deal is a year, um, it's only a few seconds of her life. Yeah. So for her brother, she's only away for a few seconds. The glitch, of course, is it is a prison and she'll be stuck in it. It's isolation. And, of course, no one has ever been under that long. Yeah. So we, we've Sim- learned... Under simulation that long. Yeah, under simulation The longest long. was the skiing on, which was about three yeah. days. Yeah. And the yeah. prison, 365 yeah. days. Yeah, yeah. So that that was a good, and it's a, I, I really thought, oh, this is a good beat in the film, you know, like oh, you know, they've taken this character, we've learnt a lot about her, and now it's like the fun and games of the movie as well, it, was great, it was a good, it's a great of, change of pace yeah. at that point where you're sort of moving along with this um, you know, corporate sort of toing and froing of financial yeah. difficulties, worried about brother, and then suddenly, bang. It's actually, no, she's in a prison now. Mm. What's she going to do? Because the very next thing is that she gets to day 365. It goes down and it comes, you know, and the little number comes back up. She's thinking, okay, now it's going to reset and she'll be yeah. out. Yeah. No, it goes back to one. Yeah. And so she, Terrifying. She freaking loses it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then she escapes discovering that, in fact, she wasn't in a simulation. No, they locked they, her up. They, they drugged her instead and locked her up. And so she goes off um, chasing that, trying to discover uh, what's going on, what's happened to her brother and... Um, and the business and, and the, all that the business stuff. And, and chasing up her, her boyfriend and... Yeah. Um, well, well, at first she doesn't know her boyfriend. She thinks her boyfriend's still dead. Yes. Um... And there's a great I like I like I like films that do this where there's a bit of a mystery to the main character where she went she runs to the police because that's what we all say we would do wouldn't we we'd yeah. be like run to the police I've been kidnapped I've been locked away for a year in a cell and they I'm look so her up I'm so pleased she did that yeah I, I was glad she did that because so many movies that they, it's like the police are scary or whatever but she did that and then, but then in this case which I really liked it's quite terrifying the police are like. Well, you're not on the system. It says here that you've been in Italy. Yeah. Uh, there was a she, missing persons she, report filed, yeah, but, but, but it was never followed up. Yeah, no one followed it. There's no crime against you. You're, you're free to walk around. Like, yeah, there's no you, reason for us to be here. You wander off if you want. And she pleads with them to, well, come visit where I was. And they go there, and, of course, it's all been, you stripped know, out. stripped out, you mm-hmm. know, and they just walk away. And I, I like that because so many films, you know, there is that moment with the police. Or even if they visit the police, the police like, no. No, you know, and that's yeah. kind of it, you know. Like we've the, got more important things. Yeah, to we've do got more important things to do than a missing woman for a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and someone of, claimed to have been held hostage. Yeah, for a year we wouldn't in a investigate box. that, you know. So I liked that, and then um, uh, she can't go to her apartment. She's got no ID. She's got no money. She meets up with the IT woman from the work. 
Which I was thinking, oh, sorry, IT, the IT role comes yeah. into play in this movie. And she reveals that her boyfriend actually is alive. Like mm. he's still alive. So that's a shock. So she didn't end up murdering him or, you know, causing his death, so to speak. Um, Cass, the IT girl, that's Cass. her name. Uh, and the thing is then with meeting Danny and Cass, they have, they have a scene. They say, well, look, we can help you out. We, we made lots of money from the company. We're all doing well. But she says... She doesn't care about the company, the money. It's all about the code. And yeah, she wants the, to get her code that back. She'd been recording yeah, from her brother. For, yeah. for her brother and from her brother, whatever. So, um, you know, it's great because as a motivation of a character, she doesn't care about those other superficial things. She just wants the, the exercise back. Um, and they break into the beautiful big Other Life building. Do we know which building that was? The Other Life building? In uh, the, Perth? Oh, uh, the... I was trying to figure it out. No, I sort of thought, is it that a, um, the Hawaiian building? You know, the uh, it's in the main, you know, next to Woodside, and there's so it's between Woodside and sort of BHP up that side. Is it because I felt like that was the angle? But anyway, I might be wrong. So anyway, so she does. They do break into the building. They confront. Did we get that guy's name? Clarence Ryan is the actor. Yeah, yeah. And what's the character's name? The character's name is Byron. Byron, that's right. Byron, Byron. Such an Australian Byron name. Byron Finbar. Byron. <laughs> Byron the coder. Who G'day, mate. My name's Byron admits Finbar. He's not as smart as Ren, but he's he's up there. So, yeah, they break in. She gives him a good punch, which I liked uh, in that scene, and she gets her code back. Um, Danny and Ren escape to her dad's hillside mansion. That's where you're talking about the scene of the tunnel and stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, and, again, the, the mansion they go to... Uh, it's up in the Perth Hills and it's, you know, such a beautiful location. But it had that, it had a nice futuristic feel to it at that place. Yeah, it was it had a bizarre like, place. Nice sort of like, angles. Yeah, it had lots of angles and staircase was really good. But and then some classic furniture inside that you'd right. expect a, yeah. a university professor to that's have. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently that's how they all live. Um, I don't know and, where he got all that money from. I don't know either. <laughs> he obviously did something. Um, so, and in that she makes up with Danny and also her dad. So that's kind of a nice moment. Um, and she's able to print the answer, which is she designed a choice program whereby you could change your memories. But she says that it's bad because it's like a drug. And that's why I go back to well, why I no, said well, it's a well, warning. Well, she says that Sam is trying to make it like a drug, take out the choice, make it just a linear yeah. rush. Right. So from start to finish, you're just on a ride. Yeah. Whereas she said the whole point was... Uh, Giving the brain everyone's options. Everyone's a choice... And you, you choose to have the good time. Yeah. Uh, which is why she asked her boyfriend there, why did you choose to drown? <laughs> <laughs> because well, I don't think she, she directly asked him, but the, the fact is that he had the... No, he asked her and she says, you chose, yeah, you chose the wrong that. option, basically. Yeah, why why like, didn't you choose to swim up? Just... Because I didn't realise I could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's the danger element, of, I suppose. Well, it's another program. sort of um, message, though, is that a lot of people... Choose the wrong yeah, path. <laughs> yeah, they, they feel a bit trapped in a situation. Yeah. And from the outside, you look and you go, why don't you just choose? Yeah, just why don't you go that, that way? direction. You'd yeah, be yeah, sweet. Yeah. Just I quit your job. Just I do didn't something know I else. could do that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so true, isn't it? It's easier on the outside. Anyway, so she prints, a, uh, prints out the drug at the dad's uh, kind of garage, which we presume something that she's been working on previously. And also other life are working on the same things. She solves it. She solves the glitch in the coding. And she goes straight to the brother Gives it to him. He kind of awakens with a dodgy eye. Mm. Doesn't say anything. Just really stares at her and then dies. Yeah. You know, dies in front of her. 
Um, well, yeah, you sort of get that feeling that he recognises that she's there. Yeah, yeah. And then he stops recognising that. Like, yeah. His eyes sort of go glassy. And they do. Just, and that, I wasn't that, sure that, in that I bit. The, I don't know if you remember, but she, he's sort of shaking and dying, and she pulls the plug. I don't know. Yeah, if, it's like, beeping. It's it gets, and it flatlines. Yeah. It's just, so I'm not sure. Did she pull his life support? Is that kind of the idea? Yeah. In that? It was just like, well, he'd flatlined and it was just yeah. going, and then she pulled it. And it was a bit suspicious, of course. No medical staff came charging. They in. didn't come running. Sam very walked up and <laughs> said, "Suddenly he's there." Yeah. Yeah. He's like, "Well, what did you say when he walked in?" He said, oh, I, can't remember. I can't remember the exact words, but yeah, he was there and he confronted oh, yeah, her. Yeah. So you've you've worked it out then. Yeah. Yeah. And she says, well, where did you come from? How, how are you here? And that's when she wakes up. Mm. She starts having flashes of being back at the place where she's put under. Yep. And, in fact, she wakes up and finds out that she wasn't drugged and locked away in a box anywhere. She actually was just experiencing the prison Yeah, the whole thing was the prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or how her mind dealt with the prison. So she wakes up and punches a guy again. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is great. In reality. In reality this time. Punches TJ power out. He had no power in that scene. She points out, um, although Sam, he points out, you you know, the programming of the experience she had was for isolation in Mm. a prison. Yeah. But she was then out walking around the city talking to people. That's right, yeah. And so he says, yeah, you've created, you, you broke out, you created, this is even This is better. better. Yeah, this is better. Because like, they realise the brainwaves, don't they? That there's a bit there, you enjoyed it. Yeah. So what and happened? And that's then that's when, when, when they're like, out. oh, you broke out, you broke out. That means we can, that's the bit that we can actually sell stuff. He actually does say, stuff the prisons. Yeah. That's, that'll be much better. And it's true, isn't it? And like, that's where she's worried. She's going, oh, he doesn't want the choices. He just no. wants people to have that rush of joy. Yeah. Like a drug, yep. which... I do not doubt is where this this technology will go and would go in some way. There'd be invariably someone would go oh, well. Of course, we we'll just give you like a hit of cocaine without giving you cocaine. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Well, they even, they do allude to even the you know the fact when she's been out that then and the company's made a lot of money. They're like, oh, I sold out and it's big, big in the tourism set and porn. You know, and so yeah, it's like, yeah, of course, fun. like it's like. So, I mean, you do talk about like a drug, like you could be having these little drops and having days, orgies with porn stars or whatever, you know. So you could see very clearly it could be a drug, could be used for that. So then there's a good scene where they like manipulate her to try to go back under so they can collect that code for mm. a second time. And, and she refuses. And she refuses, she like, no. but then they physically, he physically, TJ Power overpowers her. Oh, he uses and... TJ Power. <laughs> um, but yeah, he does, you know. But, and that's, it's, it's again, I thought that was nice and realistic because, you know, for him it was, he had nothing, it was the business. So if she pulls out, he's in a lot of trouble. Um, and she does go back under. Ah, from Offspring. I was going, TJ Power, that guy, I'm going, wait, like, Offspring, he's yeah. Offspring. So you, she goes under, but she pull, but because she's been able to do it, she pulls herself back out, doesn't she? And forces a drip from her smeared black eyes into his. Yeah. And so then we have a great moment where then he's waking up in the isolated prison and it's day one, you know. Yeah. Um, and then she, she does say to Byron that uh, we, you know, grab him and collect the data and um, his body's not handling it very well. He's no, shaking, he's vibrating. It's over and, from 365 to yeah, 1. And she's holding on. Well, she's holding on. He, he sort of says, we've got enough data now, but he, he, she wants him to have that exact experience that she went through, which is yeah. 365 and then 
you think you're coming out and no, it's another, it's another day yeah, in it's, there. It's you like know? when you're working with a personal trainer and they say, you're nearly, nearly, nearly there and you're just two more and you're, you're getting you to the second the, one. You do those two. Oh, and then five more. Five there's more. just five more. You're, oh, five. you do another five and then they're like, just another two. Yeah. <laughs> it nah. never ends. So yeah. And then we have a good bookend experience, which is she lets go of the brother, you know, so she's letting go of the yeah, experience. Yeah, she, she gets to brother. make this choice. I, I think she, she saw, even though it was actually only in her own head, yep. that she sort of experienced this connection with her brother. I think she experienced uh, his point of view more so than anything else is that, and, and talking with her boyfriend in the hallucination or the simulation that he chose to drown because he didn't see any other way. Yeah, she went, oh, okay, well, this this is the way things are going to have to go. This yeah. is the way life is playing yeah. out. Yeah, And bit, I mean, it's me, it's me who didn't realize I had the option yeah. to let go. To let go of her brother, yeah. And so now she's yeah. going, oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't think I could just yeah. continue on without him. Yeah. Turns yeah. out she could. Yeah, so it's a nice kind of... A nice ending. The, nice nicest, ending. the nicest part about the ending was there's no... Little flash, flash. Oh, maybe she's still hallucinating. Oh, <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> that really. No, they didn't do that, did they? Those you can only. Uh, I don't think you can do that anymore. <laughs> it's just. It's such a cheap, cheap shot of. Or was it just a dream? And you kind of get. No, just what you're going to throw away the entire experience of the movie because it could have just been a dream. No. That's right. But no, they they didn't. They turned off. It's really good. But yeah, that's great. What was your viewing experience like? Uh, that was nice. So watching. Uh, on the couch with my wife. We both enjoyed it very much. We both enjoyed watching the scenes of Perth because as I said, we'd just come back from camping where we had stayed down in Denmark and visited Albany and we'd seen those scenes where she's with her brother and these the scene on the train heading into Perth there over the narrows. I do that ride every day. So I've, I know that exact stretch yeah. of train track and it was just, it was, it was a really... Yeah, you, know, you feel as if you're a good little touch of fame there because you, ooh, I've been on that train. And I could have sat time. in that seat. <laughs> but it's quite nice because the, the train had a very futuristic feel because mm. the trains are really very new. Yeah. Uh, the, the train line to Perth, uh, to Mandra, which is the one that she was on, is, it's only been around since 2007 or something. Yeah, yeah. And like. the trains themselves are only probably five, six years old, the yeah. ones that are on the Mandra line. Some of them are a bit older, but... Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so you get that sort of clean, fresh, and it looks modern, futuristic, in fact, as opposed to you go to Sydney and there are older trains and a lot more people on them, and that's more of a Blade Runner future. That's right. <laughs> I looked it up as well. You can hire, uh, you can film on PTA property and trains for $500 a day for commercial reasons. If it's for non-commercial reasons, you can just do it for free. So there you go. So you're allowed to take a selfie is what they're saying. Oh, yeah. They can't stop that, can they? <laughs> I was on the train one night and there was girls like taking model photos of, of each other, you know, just with their phones. But they were like all, uh, you know, doing the whole setup with the pole and the chairs and everything. I was like, well, okay. PDA doesn't really care too much. My viewing experience, I, I did just watch on my own. But i got to say that, that I think I'm a little bit harsher on the films when they are Australian. I think it's just... I think it's just my built into my personality a bit, but you know, and even looking at like we, you and I talked about, oh, that she's going in the wrong direction if she wants to go to that yeah. suburb, or that doesn't go there, or that's that's that building, that wall is there, but it's not the same building on the outside, and it didn't, it, it does take me a little bit out of that viewing experience, you know, like because instead of being sucked totally into the world, 
but I, I did think at the same time, like, wow, they've, they've shot Perth in a really nice way. Like it does, they've been very clever and it, it looks like a big city. Um, it looks a bit futuristic, as I said before, clean, advanced. The train looks great. The, you know, the cityscape looks great. So I think they were really clever. They really shot mm, the right, mo- the right spots. You know, they really yeah. got some good location. They chose wisely. So even though I think I was a bit distracted by that, I suppose is the way of the viewing experience. And I've had that with a couple other Australian films as well, where I'm a little bit more critical of, oh, I know where that is shot takes a bit of the mystery out. And it did make me wonder, and if you're listening to this podcast, has a movie been shot in your town and you've seen it and it takes you a bit out of that experience too? Or does it? Is it more exhilarating that, hey, that's my town? (laughs) So let us know on the social media accounts. We'd love to know. So the relative um, preference, the latter, we did say with Alien, it's getting its own um, groundbreakers ladder. Yeah. So aliens over there, but on the ladder we have so far uh, the lobster, the lobster, right? Passengers, the beyond, and then equals. For me, I'm actually I think this one comes in under the lobster. That's where I want to put it as a rung on the ah. on that ladder. I, I just feel like it was a really interesting sci-fi idea. I loved the technology. I loved the way the city was shot. Like it felt nice. It felt futuristic. I think it was also just such a straightforward. We had sci-fi. passengers equals the beyond. I'm sure of it. No, 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 no. Equals as well. I had maybe I had it as the as my uh, lower rung, not my bottom rung. I don't want to say that. This but just as a lower rung. <laughs> Because equals, we are joy watching here. Equals is on my bottom. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, that's just the order I've got. That's the order I got in. So I'm put. You can have your own ladder. We can disagree on this. We talked about this with uh, one of the others, but yeah. So for me, it's the lobster, other life, passengers, the beyond equals. What about you, Sorry. Where do well, you? Which rung do you want to put it? It's a on? hard one because there's some of the things. Uh, equals, I think, had a couple of uh, I found more dramatic. Or, or touching moments and passengers passengers just you know very slick yeah with production of course. It's, yeah yeah it's sort of I, I almost want to penalize it because it was <laughs> so well done it was know? so well done yeah that's right uh, uh, but we can we can agree to disagree on this we we probably should do some social gosh. media ladders that's what we should do i'm going to put it in mine just under passengers okay for the life Fair enough. So the lo- so for me, I think we've deviated here. For me, it's the lobster passengers of the life, and for you, it's the lobster other life passengers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then the beyond and equals. And and that's yeah. largely because passenger had some nice AI and beautiful spaceships and a fusion generator. Yeah, fair enough. And that's just combined with you know they're, they're both very well produced movies, but other life was quite good. It had a bit of IT in it, but uh, if they just got into space. <laughs> or mention spacecraft or something, maybe. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, okay, or, fair or enough. She had an artificial intelligence that she talked to, mm. something like that. I mean, in, in categories, I guess, you know, like equal, well, Equals did mention space. Remember, they mm. were sending off um, rockets to find out about humanity, and, you know, so they were doing that. It, it, it I did make me think that if, I think you, you and I were talking a bit before about maybe prison being a reward system rather than a punishment system. So, you you know, people going to, instead of being solid um, solitude and, you know, being punished for a crime, it's like rehab, you know, retreating them, mm. reward, not rewarding them so much, but like trying to rehab them into better citizens. 
that maybe over the long term it would be a society like equals. Yeah, more it would would get more. Would it that become way? like that? And again, even if you then backtrack and you say, well, let's prevent crime, let's get teenagers into these, you know, advanced uh, virtual reality systems that teach them something really quickly and maybe bring a lot of joy or advance their skills. I mean, it could be really, it could end up a society like equals, doesn't it? Because well, could you imagine if you went along, because maybe I could imagine there'd be an age, minimum age, because you'd want your brain to have been developed before yeah. you chuck it in there. So could you imagine a society where until the age of 21, you're free to play and muck about? Like you don't, you've got you don't a bit even of, have to learn. You've got a bit of schooling and so forth. So, you know, yeah. so you have some, you know, you're going to need some education, but you don't have any responsibility. At 21, you go and everyone becomes at least largely proficient in physics, mathematics, uh, English, literature, psychology, um, self-awareness and mindfulness. You know, so by the age of 23, 24, you've gone through so many of these things that every sort of 24-plus-year-old is kind of really self-aware and enlightened and good at negotiating and talking and and discussing the issues. Yeah, war just becomes a thing that the kids play because it's still going to be a fun game. But the adults who have gone through this training process have had so much knowledge and so much exposure to other ideas and an expansion of mind that they're able to talk to one another to to resolve difficulties. Mm. And there's so many people with good ideas and scientific background and so forth that, yeah, we end up something more like equals where we're sort of, pursuing things that we enjoy mm. and benefit society rather than trying to just make the biggest pile of cash. We can. And, and in, in saying that as well, you could turn, on the day you turn 21, if you run fire this film, maybe you would just have to go under virtual reality for an hour mm. and you would have learnt everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, maybe an hour is even too long. So you would literally go in there, a 21-year-old 20, with basic education, you've been playing around with your mates, skateboarding, surfing, having fun, drinking, whatever, and then within an hour you would be like a professor of well, everything. Well, see, this, know, is like, why, this is why I thought you know, it might span over a few years yeah. to let it sink in or something. But, yeah. You, but like, that, could, that would be really interesting but as a almost, society, wouldn't it? Like, almost immediately you're suddenly... Your old oh. friends, you would not be able to be friends with anymore. You know, if they were under 21, you'd be, almost be, oh, no, no, darling. Yeah, so Can't talk to you now. I shall wait till you graduate. Yeah, wait till your graduation, yeah. Next month. So, so instead of going to university, you go to this program. Yeah. And there'd be no need to hold it back from anyone. Like, there's, there's no need for elitism. No. Because it's a little drop in the eye and then, bang, you've That's got right. the knowledge and Government experience. Government funded. Yeah, there'll still be some stratification because different people take it but differently. Then, but... but then the what if, of course, which is good for science fiction writers, and maybe people out there listening could take this idea and really run with it, but like then the what if, of course, is like, let's take North Korea. And like, what if you then uh, have a you know, political system like in North Korea, and then so those drops could be used for other purposes. Total indoctrination. You know, like, yeah, yeah, in total indoctrination. But could also advance a society like that to a whole other level well yes because you know? if and what if they didn't do it at 21 they did it at you know five from five birth. year olds or something or from birth you know like yeah that would know? be uh, so very interesting to see this sort of uh even though like you're saying in totalitarian structure like yeah. north korea actually working because because uh, in north korea they there's a certain acceptance of yeah of the status quo uh, and, uh, and i'm sure there's a certain uh belief that that is the way things are yeah because that's all i've ever known 
but they're humans, yeah. and the fact that they still have political prisoners and they keep yeah, and people, people escape, people escaping yeah. there and tell the stories, and you're sort of going, there's clearly yeah. a certain level of unrest, which of course, of course destabilizes things. So if everyone was perfectly indoctrinated into that system, that's right, yeah. So they accepted their hard lot in life and their early death. Except for the elites who... And then very cheaply you could sort of educate them on certain areas, you know, like military advancement or whatever, or chemical, Mm. biological warfare or something. And that's the thing. It'd be interesting because then, as you said, like maybe people in a democracy like Australia would be like, oh, like, oh, no, we can solve everything through resolution and talking. But that would be then like the polar opposite, wouldn't it? You know, like... We solve everything by brain wiping them (laughs) and reprogram reprogram them with... Our agenda. Because I could almost imagine you could educate, you can educate someone to a level where, because this has already happened, like a philosopher can question the level of philosophy, you know, question life as a whole. So if you educate everyone, they could almost be like, well, no, I don't, not elitism, but the idea that we can't, you know, there's, there's, there's not even a point in living anymore. You know, we, <laughs> we, we can just be on the astral plane. You know, yeah. and uh, you know, you do wonder someone like Stephen Hawking, like, why does he hang around? Like, why doesn't he just go off? You know, like, um, is he here to kind of t- try to teach us some things, or what, what's the deal with him? You know, so you sort of like that level of brain power that's way above the rest of us. You, you know, you, you're there with everyone else, aren't you? But you're thinking so something so different. So yeah, it would be but, that's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, well, there we go. So let's go. And best scene. <laughs> we're we're going to keep this, we're going to keep this tight. Yep. One best scene. Okay, the prison scene. And I know it's more than one, but if I just break it down, just that idea of being locked in solitary confinement. I loved that little numbering system on the wall with the LED lights. Um, And I was just thinking, like, when that happened, the film had its pace, but when that happened, I was like, oh, wow, you know, like, this Mm. this is terrifying. This is a horrible idea for someone. And because it was kind of, I think the last thing, you know, just before she went out, it's like, well, it's only a few seconds of your life. But then for her, you could see it was going to be a day by day, you know. And I really do get a bit of a kick out of things like, you know, water bottles all being the same and they're all bland brand. Yeah, all and tuna. Tuna's all labelled like it's prison brand. Just <laughs> you know, like white with white the tuna. Your tuna. <laughs> I always get a kick out of that. And the TV show Lost. You know, when they... Oh, uh, you said ran, the military rations. Yeah, so. and military rations. That's sort of, When you see that in sci-fi and other films, I always love that. But I guess, yeah, just as a favourite scene, I, I really liked that. It was longer than one, just one scene, but that, that idea of being locked in that prison. Well, it's sort of a bit of a montage. A montage scene, scene yeah, yeah. 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 And it was good because she, after a couple of days, she broke free of it, didn't she? And she became obsessed over all the literature she knew over brain development and neurosis and, you know, uh, brain development to do with comas and things like that. So she really then got into work, you know, she logically, yeah. and that's how she got through it. Yeah. So it was a great scene, that one. Great how scene. about you? Yeah, well, my favourite was after she had broken out and she was sitting there with Byron and Sam and Sam says, oh, well, if you go on just one more time, and, and I, at that time I thought, no, hell. Hell no, because sure, it was only literally about a minute or two. Yeah. But she fully experienced a year of solitary confinement. Yeah, in her mind. You're asking for something really just unbearable. Yeah. But that's the thing. I could feel the tension that rose and you saw him pick up a little ampule. And the best thing was that Byron, the the guy Clarence, 
um, what's his last name? Uh, Clarence Ryan. Mm-hmm. The, the expressions that went on his face, he saw him pick it up, he looked up at Sam and kind of looked at, at uh, Ren and you're thinking, he's going to tell, he's going to interrupt and, he, and you see him sort of wobble a bit yeah, in his chair. Yeah, you do like see him hesitate, yeah. And then he sort of, his eyes go down and he, and he retreats a bit and yeah. he's like, uh, and you can tell he's, he's doing that, I'm, I'm not sure, I'm going to see how this plays out and then, you know, old Sam gets a, a goop in the eye and then Byron sort of goes, oh, well, I have to go with this then, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I yeah. guess this is what we're doing. <laughs> Cause, and, and I just, I like that little sequence because uh, the Clarence Ryan really portrayed the audience so well there. I was like, oh, yeah, I could feel attention and, and both my wife and I, I see we're sort of moving forward on the couch. We're like, Will, stop Willie's, it. You, yeah. you, gotta, you can't just, this, you can't let this happen. Yeah, yeah. And then you see that, that break in his, his expression where he, he sort of collapses a little bit and you go, mm. he is going to let it happen. Mm, yeah. And it goes ahead. Yeah. So that scene there, it, it built up a nice bit of tension by giving us that shot. Because quite often you don't see the bad guy pick up the extra bit. Yeah, that's right. And it's kind of all that hidden. It's supposed to be, and it's a bit of a shock. But I was reading a bit by Alfred Hitchcock about tension. And he says the difference is you've got two guys sitting at a table talking and then a bomb goes off under the table. And you, you get, yeah, like this shock. Alternatively, the audience knows there's a bomb on the table and they know it's set to go off at one o'clock. Yeah. And in the background, there's two people talking. There's a clock and it's 12.45. Yeah. So for 15 minutes, this whole scene, the audience knows there's a bomb going to go off and they're wondering, is someone going to discover it? Are they going to defuse mm-hmm. it in time? Yeah. All the way leading up and, and old Mr. Hitchcock, Alfie as I call him, we're, we're good mates, he said, uh, you know, one way gives you 15 seconds of excitement, the other one gives you 15 minutes of excitement. Yeah. The exact same scene. And they, they did, I'll edit that out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and so he told Ben, yeah, Ben C. Lucas, he did very well in this scene here because you could see him pick up the ampule. Yeah. You could, you could hear his, his toy, he was maneuvering around and we're sort of getting you can see his, Byron his perspective. Going, Byron's you know, having his troubles, yeah. uh, you know, fighting his little mental fight. And so you could feel it going up and up and up and up. Wondering, you know, someone he's gonna try and get it in her eye, mm. and the only chance they have is Byron, and then he stops, and you go, "Oh my God, no!" Mm. And then it all happens. Yeah, so definitely. that that I think there's some other like, really good scenes there. Where, but yeah, yeah. We'll just, just focus just on those of, two yeah, tonight. Yeah, talking about about the security guard. Yep. And he was very nice. Yeah. Like like when she went to the police and it yeah. wasn't scary. Yeah. And the security guard didn't like pull the gun. Hey, what are you doing here? Oh, yeah, get yeah. out of here! I'm gonna shoot. He's like, oh, do you want a cup of tea? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, okay, thanks. And, yeah. yeah, it's really good. Uh, yeah, so, so that's my, my best scene. Yeah. Uh, worst scene? Um, I, I didn't really have anything sticking out. Um, I suppose when she, she did came true or she came free of the memory world, realising that, she punches the partner and then... So she sort of she's I think she goes sees the brother to sort of say goodbye and stuff and then they they do call her back and we we learn why I suppose just that as a plot point to me felt a bit dragged on like it just I, maybe it could yeah. have just all happened that she came to and then they they like you know then they yeah. go oh look you know we look at your brain pads felt, maybe... felt like it finished and then it I I, I kind yeah. of I suppose question why she'd go back like I I, yeah. I I sort of thought why would you go back there you're done you know like. So I don't know. It, it I, I liked like you were just saying the good scene there, and I, I do agree. Like it was very dramatic, but 
I suppose just as a plot point, it felt a bit like why why did she come? Why would she come yeah, back? I, I and they're like offering thinking. her a coffee. You know, it's like you wouldn't go back there for a coffee. Oh <laughs> you know, like, no, because you'd be you'd be you'd be pretty dark on the place. Up, you know, you know. So, but anyway, just to, not so much as a whole scene, but just as a plot point, I felt that was a bit yeah bit unrealistic. Yeah, I, what about I suppose you? trying to trying to get both those sides of the story. I suppose, in. yeah, yeah. And yeah. I can imagine that it's quite a difficult thing yeah. to do. Yeah, and it was, it, look, it was a good then twist because, you, you know, they're like going, oh, this is the idea, you've got to go back under. And that, so that's good. It's testing her resolve, isn't it, mm. over, no, yeah. I'm done. Uh, so that so it is good, I suppose. But it just felt like why would she, maybe they needed to go to her. You know, maybe that would have been better or something um, for that final scene rather than her yeah. coming in. So sort of something like that. Yeah. So it wasn't so much the scene, it was just that plot point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree. It was. Um, I have to agree with that one. I I could sort of talk a bit about. I suppose the the whole remembering of the coma process of the swim. I know it, it seemed a little bit too vague for me at times. Mm. But then again, it was just her memories remembering back yeah. all the time. So yeah, again, I wouldn't call it a, a bad scene, but it wasn't considering the strength of so much of the rest of the film. That one there. It didn't pull me along. It didn't. Mm. It didn't. Maybe, it didn't feel. Maybe there was some emotional. Yeah. There wasn't something strongly emotional there. Like she seemed really connected to her brother. Yeah. And um, we're sort of. But we never. My wife we and I sort of going. She, she seems to really like her brother. Yeah, like, yeah. Like really devoted. Are they twins or something? Or like, is it like there was no? I think maybe maybe some sort of prior incident or something which made her. Feel especially close. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he saved her from something or protected yeah, her in yeah. some way. And so, yeah. when she loses him there, she's got this yeah. obligation. So yeah, that, yeah. that's what I think. I felt a little bit vague that that whole memory of her brother and then why she's so hell bent mm. on saving. Like, see, because there's like that so hell bent. Yeah, saving, that's right. As opposed to just being there's that someone. movie Gattaca, you know, and the brothers swim. And so like, again, at the start, you sort of have them swimming and one drowns. Mm. And then as the movie goes on, we learn more, like we get more flashes back to that to learn what actually happened. Did he drown? Him? Yeah, and, then, well, so we, there, and then there was motive. There was reason for that, for the outcome. But yeah, I guess in other life, there wasn't, you're right. Like they were, she was obviously so motivated, so obsessed on trying to mm. save him and bring him back. And maybe you would, you know, it's your brother. You've got this technology. Maybe you just would. But again, yeah, yeah as a as a motivation for the character, you know, what they went swimming together. Obviously, a lot. They were close, but maybe they needed more of that at the start. Yeah, or just, just a little, just a little hint there to sort of say why that was a particularly trying. Because we didn't see. It was just mentioned that he bumped his head and yeah. drowned. Yeah, and it's yeah. kind of. It seems, I don't know, like, okay, the, the plot point is, to move the story on, that her brother is in a coma mm. and she's close to him. So it's kind of unimportant exactly how we got there, I think. Yeah. But because he was so instrumental for her motivation, yeah, I, we might've, it might have been nicer to have a longer scene at the start where, you know, we actually see them frolicking in the water and then he hits his head, you know what I mean? You, like, you, hear, so, you hear Ben C. Luke in the background heckling us saying, what have been nice for another twenty million? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, okay. okay. Screen West needed to give me a little bit more for that thing. Yeah, we should have bought more lottery tickets. <laughs> so, what about the science? Sorry, I know at the start you were pretty excited about the uh, neuroscience. Or yeah, the brain because as power. it turns out, I've been uh, I've recently read a bit of news. Uh, it's there's this thing called brain 
brain-machine interface. Mm -hmm. So the idea that you can directly communicate with computers and computers can directly communicate with you okay. through the brain, no physical or verbal interface. Yep. And uh, this is of, of great interest for um, you know, people who have lost mobility uh, and in particular for locked-in patients, so people like in a coma or yeah. who are conscious but totally in, immobile in all ways. And because the, the problem is people sort of say, well, you know, turn off their life support, but, well, maybe we should ask them first. Yeah. Well, we can't at the moment. Yeah. So, you know, we've got a lot of, lot of opportunity there, not just in that, but yeah. brain, brain machine communication. And there's a, there's a great story I'll, I'll tell you about. But some technology here is just published on the 24th of April. So in the Nature Journal, there's a, an article, oh, not an article, a paper called Speech Synthesis from Neural Decoding of Spoken Sentences. The short version is uh, this Gopala Anuman Chipali, and I very much apologize to this rather brilliant man for misspelling, mispronouncing her name, uh, Josh Chartier and Edward F. Chang. They did this great bit of research. So the short version is they chucked a bunch of electrodes on some people's brains uh, and particularly recorded the parts of the brain responsible for moving the tongue, the lips, the mouth, and the larynx. And they got the people to basically think about or imagine saying sentences. And then they, they put the readings, much like in this movie, the, the little head sensory thing, you know, through a computer which had some fancy pants neural networking in it. I, I won't go into neural networks at this stage, but artificial intelligence processor, which took all of this uh, information and synthesized what movements of the tongue and lips and mouth and, and speech parts were being made yeah, in right. order wow. to produce what sounds they're trying to say. Yeah, awesome. And they, they managed to get a 70% hit rate. Wow. So these, these people would read through all of these sentences and then other people would then listen and try to identify what's being said. Mm -hmm. And they got about 70% accuracy. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty amazing. And so they're, they're sort of saying that they've, they've got a lot of fuel now to feed this back in and refine the process. But the idea being that you could talk to someone who can't, who can't, can't normally talk, talk back yeah. to you. So we're talking about Stephen Hawking. He's, he had a fancy thing which had eye blinks and little movements and bits and pieces put together sentences. But that was uh, choosing words yeah. from a, ca a dictionary, basically, yeah. which would put it together. Whereas this would be, in time, much the same as just talking normally mm -hmm. and your brain would light up those parts as if you were talking and the computer would provide the voice for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that... The, the computer interprets those uh, patterns from the brain mm. that would control the tongue and et cetera. Yeah, yeah and there's, yeah, there's another previous one, I um, study or uh, experiment which was done using neural network processing and uh, dream sequences. So they, they, they mapped people's brains, got them to look at a bunch of images and they recorded their dreams, what was going on in their, their brain, the dreams. Again, this time was the visual parts of the brain. And then the neural network basically went through Google Images and compared and, and started piecing together from what the dream state was 
versus when they're awake looking at images and then a catalogue of imagery and mashed it all together, producing <laughs> images of these people's dreams. Yeah, right. Wow. And I can't remember what the, the hit rate on that was, but it was actually quite good. And, it, and there's, uh, if, you do, if, you, if you Google it, you can find some um, images of it and a write-up of it. And it's, it's really these fascinating sort of look like collage type arrangements, computer generated collage, if you like. Yeah. Uh, which were of scenes in the person's dream. Yeah, yeah. And that's just, that's just, that's what I'm saying is that this science in this movie, not as far fetched as you mm. might think. That yeah, yeah. we are moving to the point, where it's just, and that speech synthesis thing, that's largely just a matter of doing enough, um, AI training on an individual mm-hmm. in order to find out exactly how their brain works. Yeah, so, but I suppose the question there would, would that be if someone was suddenly in a coma, they would have to know. I mean, they could obviously say this part of the brain is that mm. connected to there, but they would, they would be, the algorithm would be guessing that a little bit. Yeah, the, whereas, uh... whereas if you tested it on you and me, now that we, we could, we could say what the success rate is, couldn't we? A bit more, you know, so. So there probably is a bit of refining, but it sounds exciting as. I mean, yeah, imagine if you lost someone or you lost the ability to communicate, you know, consciously. That would be incredible. Yeah, I was just trying to find you. They, they talk about how well it transfers. So the idea is you train it on one person uh, or, or several people and it gets a model of a generic person. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it transfers. And there's, uh, there was a bit on here about... Uh, but seventy percent's not bad. I mean, like translation services can run at seventy percent, you know, yeah, so I, with languages. So, but anyway, yeah. but they, they did talk about this transference because you, that's what you have to do. You can't. Uh, it's it's hard to sort of, for example, yeah, train it on me. Yeah. And then on the hope that maybe I go into a that's right. Like, that's the thing with Stephen Hawking. You know, he can communicate, so it's the ability to train a machine to interpret what he's trying to say but he's, he's conscious you know so he can well, he can correct here's it this and, other story that yeah. i also found is is really fascinating so in this is in back in 1996 uh there's this um, fellow called phil kennedy uh he got a neurotrophic electrode approved by the fda so basically it was able to stick it in there which it grows grows your neurons into the electrode rather than intruding into your brain right so it puts it near and draws it out so with these electrodes uh, uh well, i wonder he, who he got he grabbed, up for well he, he grabbed a, a patient her name was marjorie the nickname that's not real name let me just i'm trying to find the bit yeah unfortunately she died but anyway there's this fellow johnny ray he was a, a vietnam vet who loved playing jazz guitar he was 43 when he became locked in his body by a stroke so he received an implant in march of 98 uh, which this guy Phil did, and they they hooked it up to basically his left hand. So they, they were telling him, imagine moving your left hand, and that will move a, a cursor on a screen, mm-hmm. and it will hover over a letter, and if you hovered for long enough, it would select the letter. And so he tried to spell out his name, and it took, it was apparently very exhausting. He's training for about 20 minutes a day is the most yeah. he could do. Nine months into the training... Uh, Kennedy, that's Phil, and this guy, JR, were working on controlling a cursor with his brain spelling his name. He was slowly getting better. And Kennedy was pretty satisfied with his work so far because he was able to spell out his name. Yeah. He said that, he said, let's take a break. 
And so Phil went off and did his thing, and obviously JR didn't because he's locked into his body, he's stuck on a bed. But when Phil came back in, there was like the curse of moving around, it was like spelling out, uh, it's spelled J O H Q Q L, like nonsense. Yeah. But then he started a new word and spelt it P H I L, Phil, which is he hadn't been practicing. So he spelled out a new word. And so Kennedy came back and went, oh, okay, that's, that's really amazing. That's not too out of this world, but yeah. pretty good. Came back the next day for um, you know, follow-up training and so forth. And let's see, Kennedy visited him at his home and asked him what he thought about when he moved the cursor. And he typed out nothing. Right? And so evidently, he, his brain had adapted to this control such that he no longer had to think about moving his hand he would just spell stuff out. Right, yeah. Wow. So he was, he was reaching that intuitive connection with a machine. Hmm. And that's the exciting thing because that, that talks about um, this idea of the brain. Uh, what's the term called? So the brain is actually able to basically project your sense of self outside of your body. Yeah. And you, you get this, for example, when you're driving a car, when you're first starting... You know, you've got to look so much. You do yeah. so much effort to try and keep on the lines and yeah. reversing is just about impossible. Yeah. But, you know, I've been driving for a, a millennia and a half now and I'm sure anyone who's had a bit of experience now, you just drive. Yeah. And you don't consider you turn into a car park spot. Yeah. You know where it is. You can yeah. feel where your car is. Yeah, yeah. That's sort of a part of it. And uh, there's a great experiment. You can see they do it on, on YouTube as a prank. It's called the rubber hand the rubber hand experiment. So the idea is that a person sits at a table. They put both their hands on the table. They put a mirror yeah. down between. And the person can only see in one side, so they see a reflection yep. of their hand. Is that the way it works? Yeah, they see a reflection of the hand. And then whilst... And then they put a rubber hand down. And so the person can see the rubber hand and they drag like a feather over the rubber yeah. hand while someone can... drags the feather over their real hand yeah. at the same time to the point where they stop dragging the feather over the real hand. They just put it over their rubber hand mm. and they can feel it. Yeah. And the, the prank videos, they then pull a hammer and hit the yeah. rubber hand and the person <laughs> freaks the hell out yeah. because their brain has started to actually inhabit that rubber hand as if it was their own. Yes. And so, so you can see, you start pulling this mind-machine interface with the fact that our bodies can inhabit yeah. things that aren't our body. Yeah, yeah. And you've, you've got, yeah, I guess, the beyond, where yeah, they translate say, the brain yeah. into the robot body. Into those robots, yeah. And you've got any number of these other ones, like, um, uh, I suppose, Pacific Rim or, and, and so on, yeah. where you could actually have this mind-machine melding and it would become as intuitive as if it were actually your body yeah yeah so that's it's exciting stuff it's exciting science isn't it it is amazing let's see oh well that's there's also virtual reality has a similar effect yeah and yeah you've certainly i don't know if i've i've never used virtual reality of any real value but uh, evidently you can get the same falling fear walking up the edges, but they're using it in therapy for, mm. for example, PTSD. Yeah. Because one of the, one of the therapies is cognitive behavioral therapies they use for PTSD and for phobias and so forth is exposure therapy. Yeah. 
But the problem is, of course, if you're a, uh, a military veteran mm. and you've got PTSD from combat situations where you've been shot at and there's, there's horrible things happening. Yeah. We, you can't expose people to that. Can't it's, recreate like, that, can you? <laughs> not in any ethical way. No. And it's also not so helpful because part of the exposure therapy is it has to be in a controlled manner. Mm, so the person yeah. being exposed needs to know that they can pull out. You can't exactly time. control a little military exercise no, right can't. in front of you and people are dying. And, and that's because and they, yeah, they so. do this thing with you know snakes and spiders yeah, where yeah. They, they'll put a snake at the far side of the room and the person, okay, no, that's yeah, cool, yeah. and let them approach the snake and they can yeah, pull back at any time. That's right. So they put the VR on and play through scenarios enough such that you start to get this um, uh, transference effect. You start to feel as if you actually, that's what you're seeing through the VR is the real environment. Mm. Of course, you know, it's not because it's computer generated. Yeah. But then they can start introducing, you know, um, a helicopter flying overhead or an explosion in the distance or, or a loud car, all these sorts of things. You can expand that definitely. And and they've, they've had some success with that. And that again, this goes back to you know treating this her brother, trying to expose him to what the she thinks is and, locking him into yeah, his, his mind, yeah. so that he can choose to choose, come forward, choose to be healthy again. Yeah. yeah so yeah. so we're actually doing that with virtual reality, and, yeah. and this is a type of virtual reality. Oh, so definitely, definitely. So it's uh, the exciting thing is, of course, is you could well imagine in in twenty thirty years time, mind machine communication will just be oh, standard. Definitely, you know. Fighter pilots or race car drivers will have a web of electrodes on their heads. So yep. They might still have some manual controls, but maybe some of the controls will just be intuitive mm. and feedback. Well, I mean, take the military alone. I mean, they, they do do a lot of that drone flying from a distance already. Mm. And so, I mean, the next step of that, of course, would be the the pilot is kind of plugging a bit more into it isn't it you know yeah so they feel like, more like they feel like they're there. there and they react more in live combat and then of course on the fun side i mean gamers gamers push so much technology because it's a big money maker porn. now porn as yeah. well but like but games yeah if we stick with even just games i mean there's billions of dollars there that you know they want virtual reality they want it to be more real and that that could be that next level i mean imagine you know instead of putting on the goggles you're planting a chip or you're you know putting a bit of dye in your eyes that mm. takes you into a gaming world and it's like you are there like you know i mean people would pay for that experience you know i think this movie it dabbles on that idea and it's very true like if you if what this movie is true like you have a little dab in your eye and you're then on on you have an experience you have an amazing yeah. experience that you've always wanted like skiing down a slope uh, you know, as we, as we joke, like an orgy with a porn star, a, um, you know, like saving the planet or but something, you know, I, like I would people would Jeremy. do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, well, it depends on your some, you know, some particular taste, like, you know, whatever you want, like, whatever you want. But you know, you know what I'm saying? Nice. Like you, you're driving an F1 and winning a race, you know, an F1 race or something like experiences for everyday people that you can't achieve. And, and by the, the way they d- dabbled in this movie, they're saying that like it's real, like this is a memory now. This is yeah, implanted a, in you. It's not it's like actually just the playing a game and you know it's a game. It's you are there doing it. So that's why yeah. I found it hard to believe they couldn't get funding. <laughs> like you yeah. would have billions of dollars of funding in this. Yeah. Especially if you just have like a little five minute demo, which is you know you don't need a whole day skiing or no. slopes. If it was just five minute experience where you're standing on top of a mountain. And then, bing, you're back again. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
they'll be like, okay, how much money? Yeah, how much do I you want? Like, you know, like how much can I give you? Because yeah. but I suppose it's all. It is a realistic thing, isn't it? Plenty of people have great ideas and technology, and they're trying to pitch to people. They're not interested. I think so. what they didn't go into is, is of course, uh, the massive danger concerns. That's right, yeah. and uh, the liability involved if you actually funded this to market. Yeah, the first person who had an aneurysm. Like, yeah, that's right. Anything like that would pretty much destroy total recall the business. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, incident would uh, yeah be trouble. Yeah. So look, there is, and you're just saying total recall. You're just saying total recall. So I think with technicalities of the film, you know, there's a connection to the Matrix. You know, plugging into the the Matrix, plugging into the machine. Uh, total Recall, you're right, having that, you know, especially um, the original Total Recall, you know, Arnie, come here, you're having the experience, it's like a dream, it's, it's yeah, bigger than a dream, it's a real holiday world, to Mars. holiday to Mars, and of course he freaks out, so exactly right, like, if this was real, and someone took the drug, and then they, what if they thought then, you know, their experience, they're real, you know, like, they're really there, they'd be running down the street, you know, naked, thinking they're in an orgy, or, you know, skiing on the slopes out yeah, in the middle of the freeway. Was, I think that was one of the things her father was concerned about, the mm. ethics of it. Yeah. Which is why he didn't actually patent it himself, was because he's, he's saying it's too much risk of someone being forever lost. That's in right, yeah. Head. And, I mean, you know, LSD is a really good example. People tripping on LSD and they get stuck in an environment. You know, I, I remember once um, up in Perth that I came across a guy who was in the middle of the... A uh, very busy road highway, and he was trying to get up the cat's eye, the reflector off the road. Mm. And I slowed down. I was like, "Are you all right?" And uh, you know, because of busy traffic. And he's like, "I've got to get this off the road. I've got to get this off the road. I'm, I'm trying to save it. So I'm saving this creature." He said to mm. me, and I was just thinking, "Okay, well, do you want to? Do you want me to help you? Do I need to call anyone?" And it, I mean, afterwards, I've always thought about that experience, like. He, he, he believed that that cat's eye, I don't know if he thought it was a cat or something, but he was trying to get it off the highway. So he was off his chops and, um, and probably on something like LSD. And it's like that this drug could be much stronger than that. You know, like, yeah, you. You know, like what, do you, what if you thought you were skiing down the slope, but you're actually, you know, out in the middle of the freeway, you know, yeah, or, yeah, or like, a... like, like the boyfriend did say, he didn't realize he could save himself, you know, so people could get probably locked into a coma or something. Well, yeah, because if you've got all that choice and you're skiing and you think that you're going to crash, mm. yeah, because people have a lot of... And you uh, crash. Lock, ...locked up emotional things... That's and, it, yeah. ...that they, you know, project your... I mean, what... That was, that, that was definitely a question of science I didn't answer in the film. Like, what happens if you do that ski slope and you think you're going to crash and then you crash... And you're dead in the, you know, like in yeah. the Matrix, if you're dead, if you die in the Matrix, you're dead. That was the rule. They clearly said it to us, didn't they? Yeah. You know, so it was, you, you don't come back, you know, it's the same. Your mind can't deter. Well, they didn't, they didn't dabble that in this, this film, did they? Because you're going to get the problem of people going, oh, I'm still in the memory. I'm still in that. I'm people still going, in that, yeah. No, you're not. You came out. Yeah. No, I am. No, I am. So what the is this The only way I can get is to jump off this building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... If I'm in my memory, I'll wake up. I must not be in my memory. You know, I'm, this isn't yeah. real right now. Yeah. This has to be, yeah. yeah so, no. yeah, the, the technicalities of that science. Um, but, yeah, lots of connections to other good science fiction films. You said Total Recall and The Matrix, um, Gattaca. I've, I really felt Gattaca at the start of this film and, and throughout a little bit. So the setting, really great, I thought. You know, we've talked about that, very futuristic. Uh, Perth, oh, the locations they locations chose. Locations like, they I, chose. Because I was impressed. I thought... Wow, Perth is really cool. Yeah, it looks like, really cool in this. Like it's really nice. Yeah. yeah. 
And I did see there's a little video of Ben C. Lucas saying that when they talked about making the film that he, he wanted to shoot it in Perth. That's what he said. Like he said, I want want to shoot this. And a couple of people said to him, well, why not, you know, Sydney, Melbourne? He's like, no, Perth's a great yeah, location. Because Melbourne would have like, been an obvious place yeah, with all of yeah. the warehouses yeah, to that's Collingwood right. and, yeah. and Richmond and things. Yeah, but he, he, he deliberately, because he's based in Sydney now, and he's deliberately in this little video about it did say, he felt Perth was a great location for it. And um, again, as I said, I think they pulled it off. Well, if Ben is listening to this podcast, yeah. then I reckon he should get in touch with us at yeah, let us know. Space Brains Pod on Twitter yep. or spacebrains at gravityundone.net email yeah. address. And uh, maybe we can answer a couple of these questions. Yeah, let us know the truth behind those decisions. Um, and yeah, I mean, he, look, he did, you said earlier, he did... Um, it was picked up as a private production company. They managed to get Screen Australia funding, Screen West funding. So they obviously, you know, tapped into those markets. He, uh, for him, this is his second feature. And he, his first was part of the West Coast Visions Screen West mm. Fund, which is a low budget, $750,000 budget. Um, wasted on the young. Wasted on the young. I yeah, so, part, no, yeah which is kind of a teenage drama. I have not seen it, but, you know, so it's not in the science fiction realm at all. But, uh, yeah, he... It, 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 received a lot of good critical acclaim. The great thing with this one, and I've seen a couple of, I think the producers online uh, verbally talking about this, is, you know, they sold it really quickly to Netflix and it's it's got this worldwide distribution, you know. And yeah. even when you look at it, like you look on IMDb and stuff, there's I, I saw there's people in Canada saying, watch this film, you know. And yeah. there, there's people in the UK, there was someone in the UK, I saw a comment them saying, it's kind of like a long Black Mirror episode. Like, I love it. People it, need yeah, to be rating this. It has that you know, Black and, and that's a real compliment, I think, as well. Yeah. You know, so again, people out there, being that it got picked up by Netflix and they're, they're promoting it on their, on their services worldwide, so good for them. Uh, so uh, the camera was really nice. I thought it was sharp, clean, intriguing. Um, it gave us a fair bit of movement as well, like when they walked into the uh, office space with all the computers like you know they moved the camera smoothly through that scene and she sat down i don't know why she needed four computers at her desk kind of idea but she well, had, i was thinking it sorry let, straight let away why you, do you need so many but anyway i've only got two okay, monitors yeah. i need but she seemed to be mainly working on that laptop but i was like oh, okay yeah but anyway um but it was a good little scene that it was nice and busy and hive and I think they also were really smart in that, you know, they shot her in front of that graffiti wall, that office space, that little wolf lane you're talking mm. about, like it looked cool, um, shooting out of the tunnel, the way they shot from her apartment building where the city's blurry. They kept blurring the city in a really good way. Also, you know, those night shots, it was clever. They, they shot at the top of a car park looking up, mm. you know, so the camera automatically is looking up into the sky and you've got these great big, um, you know, skyscrapers, uh, but you're up high as well. So the camera's up high, but it's a low angle. So it's sort of like a, you, you're getting a bit of a, a strange version of the world in a way. So it's, mm. a, it's making it look a bit, the, the illusion of filmmaking is playing there. They did that really well. And he also played off, you, you mentioned Hitchcock. Well, pretty much what they call the vertigo effect was used a couple of times. Another way to call it is the dolly zoom. They call it vertigo because of Hitchcock's yeah. vertigo, um, which is that effect of uh, the camera moves and it either zooms in, zooms out, and you get this real distortion like the world yeah, is either yeah. closing in or... You feel the view changes from you know, wide to narrow. Yeah, it's the bizarre. Person, you often have like a, a person or a thing yep. as a central focus and then everything else 
as that weird stretching warping yeah. effect. If you Google it or YouTube it, there's um, some great examples. Vertigo, they do it in Vertigo when he's um, sorry ascending the stairs and he keeps looking over and the stairs get longer. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a really clever effect. There's a great one from um, Goodfellas by Martin Scorsese that a lot of people talk about with her in the, the cafe. So in this film, they use it when she goes to the hospital. And so every time she went to the hospital to see her brother, you had that long shot. And again, it was that distortion of the hospital corridor. Um, so maybe entering the two worlds or something like that. It's nice and disorientated. They also disorientated us out of the tunnel. So they flipped the camera. It's really bizarre. So you don't get that in many films. So it's quite of like, a oh, it's an upside down world, mm. you know. Um, colour as well. Like Perth looked good, but also the colour grading of the film, to me, it matched... Some of those other science fiction films where it's a bit cold, it's a bit slick, yeah, it's a bit, bit grey, sort of blues and yeah, reds, the, yeah, the blues, yeah. the greys, the reds, um, where it's it's much more clinical. Things look a bit more clinical, you know, yeah. and uh, and then if you contrast that to maybe at the end of the film where she's a bit more free, she's back at the beach. It's actually then very colourful, you know. It's, it's yeah, a it moment. There's a bit of colour. Interesting thing I found was that Perth uh, and, and Mandra are by and large. Very bright. Yeah, they are. It's extremely bright. My, my dad, he's from the east coast. Well, I am too, but yeah. he lives over on the central coast here. There's lots of big trees mm. and cloud comes and goes and so yeah. forth. And he describes when he gets to Western Australia, he gets off the airplane, it feels like as soon as he steps out of the airport, the sun is hitting him on the head <laughs> and it doesn't stop until he gets back on the airplane and goes home. Because <laughs> yeah, there's just yeah. no shade yeah, and yeah. everything's just bright yellow and white and there's a lot of sandstone and beach colors and things everywhere but yep. to see in this movie here as i said it's uh it's been toned down and and turned into this future look that's right yeah and so i think they did that well the color grading is really great in that way um and likewise with some of the yeah the, you said before like passengers really slick and stuff yeah big hollywood production as we i think we talked about 120 mil or whatever um this one but the special effects are like other life the computer graphics, those brain scans, uh, even the thing that she, which is not special effects, but it's a prop, you know, she put the thing on top of her head. I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, all those computer graphics and the brain uh, scans and stuff, they, to me, it was like, oh, this is, this is futuristic. This is enough to yeah. kind of keep me hooked here. It looks real. You know, we talked about last uh, episode, the alien spaceship being a working factory kind of spaceship and how they set that up. I think they did that quite well here as well. So the office space, it looked entrepreneurial. You know, it looked like a little company. And then when they'd obviously become a big company, now they're in this big skyscraper, you know, with all that sort of stuff that goes along with it. So, yeah, I thought the special effects were quite good. Very well chosen, I mm -hmm. think. So in summary then, we have uh, Other Life by Ben C. Lucas, released 2017, starring Jessica De Growl, Degoo, yeah, Degoof, Degal. Uh, yeah. If she's listening to this podcast she's and yeah. would like to correct us on her pronunciation, yeah, please do. Name, Maybe she can send us a little voice message of please, her. Please do. Please we're, we're always looking to try and improve our pronunciation of names because, uh, trust me, I get my name mispronounced oddly a, a lot. Yeah, and if you're listening, let us know about the movie other life let us know what you thought uh let us know what you thought about this episode and what you'd like us to focus on or if there's anything you'd like us to add or not do in future episodes yeah and check out 
Please do check out my book. We, <laughs> we don't have any advertising. My exit plan does not run any advertising. Uh, I am staunchly refusing advertising, not that they're offering. Stick but, it to the man. <laughs> but my thought is that given the opportunity, people will support what they like. So They will. They will. Feel free to support uh, by buying a copy of that book or just recommending it to someone else or, or doing whatever you want to do with it. So our next episode, we are going to look at the movie. It's my. It's from my list, Spectral. Spectral. <clears throat> Sorry. I've, I've seen this one before. Oh, have you? Okay. Yes. There you go. You've got advanced viewing on I shan't give you any spoilers. No, don't so. give me, because again, I just picked it off the list. Available on Netflix and other services probably. So yeah, check it out before our next podcast gets out there. Spectral. If you have seen it, like, sorry, let us know what you think in events. I can't even remember what the description for it was. <laughs> but, yeah, so I I look forward to uh, watching and recording another session of that. Yeah, definitely. So thanks for listening. And we'll speak with you later. Yep, see ya. Bye. Bye.